0: This message by Pastor Alexander Ruggieri was delivered at Faith Fellowship Church in Dodgeville, Wisconsin. For more information, please call 608-935-2655 or visit us at www.dodgevilleffc.com. to Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai is also called in the Bible Mount Horeb. They're both the same mountain in the Bible. They just have different names at different times when you read. And when I was studying this mountain, I guess I didn't realize that they don't know where this mountain is. Scholars can't pinpoint exactly where Mount Sinai is. But then I realized that Mount Sinai slash Horeb was discovered in about the 1800s. Mount Horeb is about 20 or so miles east of the city of Dodgeville. So there it is. We can go and see it. But when you look in the Bible where Mount Sinai slash Mount Horb is, is irrelevant. But what happened at Mount Sinai is perhaps the most important event ever to occur in the Old Testament. A lot of things happened in the Old Testament. A lot of significant things. I know it's really not a good idea to put one on the pinnacle as being the most important, but I can say it's one of the... Most important things to happen in the Old Testament. What happened at Mount Sinai was shattering to this creation. If you have a sheet of ice, uh, in your or, you know back where I grew up, there was a river by my house, and during the winter time, we would go out on the ice. And if you came to a thin part in the ice, you'd step on it, and there'd be these cracks that would come out from under your foot. And what God did at Mount Sinai was that He came into this world in a very unique way, and it it left an imprint. And there are all these cracks of significance that came from that moment. And we could have just a whole series of what happened at Sinai, but we want to just look at a few of these little cracks, big cracks, about what happened here, and what does this mean today? We're going to focus on the giving of the Ten Commandments, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And so we'll call this mount, the Mount of Law. Now, technically in the Bible, Mount Sinai is actually called the mountain of God. The Bible calls this mountain, the mountain of God. But because this morning we're going to focus on the purpose of God giving this law at Mount Sinai, we'll call this the Mount of Law. Imagine that you have in your hands in front of you, if you can carry them, the stone tablets written with the finger of God there in front of you. And the question we want to ask is, God, why did you give these stone tablets? Why did you give this? So many in this world today think that the Ten Commandments were just a list of do's and don'ts. But there's so much more and we We'll probably only scratch the surface of why God gave this law. Why God gave this. So you have it in your hands. You have it there in front of you, looking at it. God, why did you give this law? As we read in our text, the first reason we see that God gave this is to unveil his character. He gave these Ten Commandments to unveil the character of God. And I'd just like to take a moment. We skipped over this in our scripture reading, but I'll take the moment here now to read the Ten Commandments. In chapter 20 of the book of Exodus, the Bible says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt Out of the land of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So this is the Decalogue. This, These are the Ten Commandments. And the, the thing that God first wanted to reveal Through these Ten Commandments is to unveil the character of God. And to explain this, I just have to explain it in in a term here. With all the beliefs in the world, there's this explanation, an attempt to explain the relationship between the Creator and the creation between that which is created and that which created, or He who created. There's this attempt to explain the relationship among all these beliefs that there is a Creator. And you have this spectrum. On one end of the spectrum is what is called pantheism. Pantheism is the belief that there is no difference between the Creator and the creation. That the Creator and the creation are one and the same. And so when you look at the world around you and you see the trees, the trees are God. You look at the grass, the grass is God. You look at the birds, the birds is God. You look at this church building. This church building is God. The stars is God. The, the sun is God. You are God. I am God. The creation and the creator are one and the same. And that takes on different forms. It's very prevalent among Eastern religions. It takes on different forms of animism and such. But at the other end of the spectrum is this belief called Deism. Now, Deism is a belief that the Creator and the Creation are different. But they're so different and so far removed that the Creator has absolutely no relationship or influence upon the Creation. That the Creator doesn't have any imminent Workings, there's no miracles, no intervention. In fact, deism could say that God doesn't really have any interest in the creation. It is as if God wound up the creation and let it off into the universe and is busy doing something else. So you have these two opposite ends of the spectrum. On the one hand, you have pantheism, where God and the creation are one and the same. On the other end of the spectrum, you have deism, which is very popular in the 1800s and 1700s. Many of our founding fathers were deists. But this idea that God is so far removed, so holy, so out there, there's no influence upon this creation. Now God, the God of the Bible, made a decision to reveal to the world who He is. God steps into this creation and He says, I am a holy God. I am very separate from this creation. So that this pantheistic belief is wrong. I am a holy God. I am separate from creation. However, I am a loving God. I am a caring God. And I desire to have a relationship with my creation. And so God made the decision to come into his creation in different ways at different times. Now imagine you are a Hebrew, an Israelite. You have been in bondage in Egypt for generations and generations. You have been surrounded by the Egyptian belief system, which is kind of over here in the pantheistic side slash polytheistic that are all these gods, God of the sun and God of this and God of that and God of this. Surrounded by that. And Moses comes one day and he says, the one true God... Of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to deliver you. And all of a sudden, there are these miracles happening. These plagues are coming upon judgment on the Egyptians. And Moses takes you and takes you out of the bondage of slavery and you go through this wandering wilderness and you come to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea and you come through this miraculous event where the waters are parted and you see your enemy behind you pursuing you, wanting you dead and they come into the the Red Sea and the waters fall down upon them by the hand of God. And then you go through this wandering experience and you come to this mountain And upon this mountain, God says, I am going to reveal myself to you. You see, up to this point, God had kind of been in the shadows. He was in a relationship with people like Noah and and Abel and, and people like Abraham in different ways. But it was only until Mount Sinai that God stepped in and said, I am different from this creation, but I am not so far removed from this creation. I want to have a relationship with you. So I'm going to teach you who I am. What that means for you and what that means for me this morning is that God wants to, desires for you to know who He is. In fact, He wants you personally to have a relationship with Him. And so God desires to teach you and open up your eyes to who the God of all creation is, the God who created everything, the moon, the stars, the grass, the trees, the birds, you and me. God wants to know you, wants to be known by you, wants to reveal himself to you and have a relationship with you. So if that is true, it is our obligation to submit to him. It is our obligation to open ourselves to him. And when God says in verse 1 here, chapter 20, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. We listen to him. We open ourselves to his speaking. For he, he is the holy God who created us, but he is the loving God who wants to know us. And that is why it is so Painful to think that most of humanity has made the decision to ignore God, to slam the door in God's face and to say, I want nothing to do with you. Or to say, I want to believe in you, but I'm going to do it in my own way in my own terms, in my own fashion. So this was one of the purposes of these, these ten commandments that we're holding in front of us. God wanted to reveal who He is. He wanted to show the world that He is a holy God, separate from this creation. But He is a loving, caring God who wants to know us. And so He tells us what He's like and what He expects of this world and how we can have this relationship with us. To unveil the character of God. Secondly, as we hold these Ten Commandments, God gave this not only to reveal Himself about who He is, but also to establish a boundary for human behavior. God wanted to establish a boundary for human behavior. You see, As you read these Ten Commandments, you not only discover who this God is, but you discover what He's like and what He expects of His creation. As you read these commandments, there are a lot of vertical commandments between humanity and God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain. But there are also these horizontal commandments. You shall not murder You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. God gave these Ten Commandments as a mechanism of setting a boundary in human behavior. Because I think you and I can admit that humans left to themselves without boundaries, we would totally ruin ourselves. Somebody once tabulated that there are 35 million laws on the books to enforce what has come from the Ten Commandments. That there are 35 million laws written that are applications of the Ten Commandments. God gave the Ten Commandments as a mechanism of revealing that there is a boundary to the human behavior that is needed. Because there's a problem in a human heart. And left to themselves, we humans, left to ourselves, are chaotic people. We've seen it with our own eyes. You remember, it was not too long ago when the event of George Floyd happened. Whatever happened that day, people got upset. And in response to what happened, people made the decision that we are going to throw off the boundaries of law. And the boundaries of law, the police said, we are afraid of losing our jobs, or we are afraid of what's going to happen, so we're going to step back and not do our duty. And you saw in those cases, when human beings decided to throw off the boundaries of law, And the boundaries of law decided to remove those boundaries. You saw immediately there was utter chaos and total anarchy. You saw that in city squares there was total looting and rioting. People's businesses were broken into, they were ruined, there was stealing. There were, there were fires and vandalism and violence. There were murders. People decided to take uh, power to themselves and became gang warlords amidst the city square. It was total chaos because the boundaries of law had been removed. Now, I understand there can be a, an overemphasis That is not law, but tyranny. And people can write laws that are so beyond what God intended with the Ten Commandments and create these, these restrictions on religion and mandates and all this stuff. But ultimately, God gave these Ten Commandments to create a boundary of law. So the reason why I am so upset with the idea of institutions deciding that any public area that has a monument or a reference to the Ten Commandments, we're going to remove them. I'm upset by that, not because I'm trying to fight for this idea of separation of church and state nonsense. For me, it is a picture that mankind wants to remove boundaries from what God has given. It It is a picture that our society is saying we do not want boundaries. We want lawlessness. And the moment that happens, we as humans suffer. The moment you take those boundaries off, we suffer. We destroy ourselves. So God gave this as a a guide to set a standard for society. And you look around you and you say, it's good to have boundaries. Think of it within a work environment. There are certain expectations that you have as an employee. When you're in your job, there are certain boundaries that you're to follow. And if you step outside those boundaries, you get fired. Or think of it within a a family context. With the children, there are boundaries that are set within the family that the parents institute saying, these are the boundaries we are setting. You don't go outside of them. These are for your good. And when the children go outside of them, they suffer. Or within a marriage, a covenant, there are boundaries within it. And if you step outside those boundaries, the covenant is broken. God has so established a world of order that he has set boundaries for our good. So you and I need to ask ourselves, Lord, what are the boundaries that you have set for me? And how am I to walk in them? If I am a sheep, okay? God says he's the good shepherd. We are his sheep. If I am a sheep, And you have set a boundary for my good so that I don't wander into the wilderness to get attacked by a wolf. If I am a sheep in your pen, show me where the pen boundary is. This is one of the reasons why I am personally involved in politics. It's not anything other than I believe God has set boundaries for this world that are good. And so when you see a an adulteration of those boundaries, I find it to be harmful to His creation. For example, when I think of what happened with the 2020 election and the provable fraud that occurred, I think of, you shall not bear false witness, because it was false what happened. And so we work to promote election integrity, So that truth can happen upon a free society. When I think of what happens with abortion, I think of you shall not murder. Because what happens in an abortion is the termination of human life. And so this is a boundary that God has said that's good. Within God's boundaries, we thrive. Without God's boundaries, we suffer. Here are the Ten Commandments, brothers and sisters, to unveil who He is, to establish a boundary, thirdly and lastly. As we look at these Ten Commandments, God, why did you give this to society? Why did you come into a mountain full of smoke and thunderings and shaking of the mountain to give these stone tablets? He says, I gave it to reveal myself to this creation. I gave it to set a boundary for human behavior. I gave it to reveal the need for rescue. I gave it to reveal a need for rescue. Look at verse 18, if you will, of chapter 20. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled. Why did the people tremble? Go back to verse 16 of chapter 19, the previous chapter, verse 16, that it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Why did the people tremble? Why did God warn the people that if they look at the Lord, they will perish in verse 21 of chapter 19, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish? Perish. Because the moment you look at the beauty and holiness of God, the moment you read the standard He has set for righteousness in the Ten Commandments, is the moment you realize how far short you and I have fallen. Because there is not one person in this room who can honestly say, I have kept these Ten Commandments perfectly. Each one of us can admit that we have fallen short of God's standard for how to live. Now, think of this with me for a second. If this is a law and the law is broken, there are consequences. If you go out into this society and you start pillaging and looting and stealing, you're breaking the law, there are consequences. And God has said that if you break this law at the end of your life, when you die, you will face the consequences. The Bible says in Hebrews, for it is appointed once for man to die, and after this, the judgment. So God gave these Ten Commandments to reveal the need for rescuing, because under the law, you and I are condemned Under the law, you and I have fallen short. There's a verse in Galatians chapter 3. that says this. In verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor. To bring us to Christ. It was our tutor. God said that I gave the law not only to show a standard for society, but also to show you and teach you that you need a rescuing. Because Jesus Christ stepped in and He said, I'm going to fulfill the law. When you look at the life of Jesus, when He lived in this earth, He followed those boundaries, He stepped within those boundaries and obeyed them perfectly. Jesus Christ did not break one law. Therefore, he did not deserve punishment. But what he said, he said, I'm going to be crucified by man, but on that cross, in some profound way I don't understand, Jesus said, I'm going to take punishment for breaking the law. But it's not going to be my punishment, it's going to be yours. He said, I'm going to take the punishment that you and I deserve so that you can be rescued from that judgment to come because of the one who kept the law. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. We, when we read the Ten Commandments, when we look at those stone tablets, we say, this is good for the world. But when we think that God is going to judge based on these Ten Commandments, we are in a very bad situation. And that was God's point. He wanted to teach you and show you, these are the reasons why you need me. These are the reasons why you need forgiveness. I want to teach you that you need rescuing. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith in what he did on the cross. So that we say, "Okay, God, I cannot make up for the sins that I committed. I cannot undo the wrong that I've done. Therefore, I'm going to trust solely and completely and wholeheartedly on what you did, Jesus for me that's it so if there is a people or a group or a belief who are saying i'm going to bank my salvation on obeying this law and doing the best i can do you've missed it you've missed it and god is going to say you missed it it is through jesus christ obeying the law being the source of rescue for us. You can think of it this way. I saw a video back when California was having these wildfires. It was a very disturbing video. I don't remember why I didn't understand, didn't follow the context, but basically what was happening is there was this father and son in a vehicle, and they were driving through one of these national forests, and they got caught up, I don't know how. But the whole forest was in flames around them. And they were trying desperately to get out of this forest as they drove through in their vehicle. And you could hear the the, the fear in them as they were driving through. The son would ask the father, Dad, what do we do? What do we do? And the son said, I don't know. I don't know. And they're driving along. And there's this tree that falls down in the path in front of them. They can't drive any further. And they exit the vehicle. And I don't know what happened after that. But I want you to picture something with me. Imagine you're in that vehicle. And you don't know where to go. You don't know where the exit is. And the world around you is in flames. That is the current state of a human. When you read the Ten Commandments and you're not rescued. It's like the fires are there and it's only a matter of time before it reaches you. But imagine that, say you still have cell phone signal. Imagine a phone call comes on your phone. And there's a voice in the line that says, we are a rescue. We know where you are. Follow us. We can see you. We can track you. And you say, okay. And you drive along. And he says, turn right. And you turn right on this path. And you're going along. And the flames are around you. And then the voice on the phone says, turn left. And you go on this path. And you turn left. And as you follow and heed that voice, You're brought to this clearing where there is a helicopter above the clearing and there's a basket there ready to rescue you and take you out of this flaming forest. God intended these Ten Commandments to be that voice to direct us that there is a need for being rescued. And if you follow what God is speaking If you listen to what Jesus did and what he came to do for you, you will be rescued out of the flames. If you try to drive on your own and do your own thing, you're going to be caught in the flames. But if you follow that voice of God leading you through the word of God, the conscience that is convicted, the drawing of the Holy Spirit and the beauty and work of Jesus on the cross, you will come to the clearing. And you'll step in the basket and you'll be lifted up out of the flames. God gave these ten commandments to show us that we need rescuing. He showed us who he is. He showed us that he has a boundary for human behavior. And he showed us that through the law, we can be rescued. So here it is. You have the Ten Commandments in front of you now. You can look at these. And you can use them in your walk with God to understand the nature of who God is, His holiness, His uniqueness. You can use these Ten Commandments to be a guide for how He wants to promote the boundaries He has for society for their good. And you can use this, and you're reaching out to people who are lost in the flaming forest. You can show them, read these Ten Commandments, have you kept them? They say, no. Good, God has a rescue for you. And as you walk people through the, the, the gospel, the good news of salvation, they realize that they are condemned, but there's forgiveness. They are lost, but there's a rescuer. all because of what happened on Mount Sinai and what it pointed to what would happen on Mount Calvary. The mountain of God, the purpose of the law. Today, the Ten Commandments are not in an ark of the covenant, but they're in your heart. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He has written them in your heart. And you can take them and use them for what God intended for those around you. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, there might be someone here this morning who feels like their life is in that flaming forest. Somebody who has felt that they have been trying to do the right thing, but it seems like every way they go, there's a a dead end and no hope. I pray, Father God, that you would show them the hope. Show them that they need you. They need salvation. And that you offer salvation and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That if they call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. May they call on your name for rescuing May you rescue them, Lord, from their sins. And Father, for all of us who know you, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in deeper and more more profound ways than just these Ten Commandments. But through your whole word and our relationship with you, please reveal yourself to us how you are so unlike these false gods in the world around us these false beliefs, but you are the one true God who wants to know us and have a relationship with us. Please, Father God, guide us in this world to bring your revelation to those around us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.